I choose joy. In the book of Job, if you know the story and the account of Job in the Old Testament, Job had a story of pain and suffering. And he said in Job chapter 14, verse number 1, he said this, Man who is born of a woman, which is mankind, all of us were born of a woman. In other words, every single human is few of days and full of trouble. Now, if you know the account of Job, none of us are jealous of Job. All his children died in one day. Things collapsed around them and they died. I don't want all my possessions to be stolen from me. I don't want my friends to come around and accuse me of being horrible and sinful and blaming everything that's happened on me and for something I've not done. I don't want my health to be lost. But if you know the account of Job, he did not allow his outside circumstances to determine his relationship with God. If anything, God allowed the, the pain to come into his life, which actually strengthens his relationship with God. Last week, I gave you some homework. And the homework was every day to determine in your mind to I choose joy. So how's this week been for you? As you've woken up in the morning, and I, I've seen some of you put it on Facebook. Some of you text me different songs that sing about joy, and I appreciate that. I really do. I'm grateful for the, for the positive feedback. But it's also, it, how, how's the week been? When you determine in your mind, today I choose joy, there's been circumstances in my own life when I've had the opportunity to go, Raw, whether it's driving or with my perfect children that sometimes aren't always perfect, and I determined in the morning to choose joy. How has your week been different as a result? Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the, the Word of God in Philippians chapter number 1, and we're going to take the account of a man named Paul, Paul the Apostle, who wrote this. His circumstances were not easy, but I believe that he chose joy in his life based upon his relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and the result of that meant that God can do incredible things. Our principle for today is this. And every single Sunday we have a principle. If you have your bulletin, inside of your bulletin are the message notes, and inside of there you'll see the principle for today is this. Your pain, that is your pain, can be used by God to bless others. The result is that you experience joy. I don't know about you, but I never, ever ask God to give me pain. My mortal fear is needles. And like any time the doctor said, like I was in the doctor recently and the doctor was talking about different health checks. And now that I'm getting a little older, now the things that have to take place in the future, he said the most wonderful words to me. He said, Michael, would you like a blood test? I said, do I need one? He goes, no. The most wonderful words I could hear. No, you don't need one. And he says, but when you're 40, you will. I was like, Maybe be time to find a new doctor. I don't ask God, please, will you please give me pain in my life? But I do ask God, God, will you allow me to be a blessing to others? I absolutely ask God, God, will you bring joy into my life? But how do we have that separation when God allows pain and difficulty and suffering to happen in our lives? Sometimes it's because of sin. Sometimes it's because of nothing of your control at all. And the bad things just happen to good people. Maybe we can turn this prayer around in the suffering, in the time of pain, and say, today, I don't, I'm not happy about my circumstances, but today, I choose joy. 
So let's look at the Word of God and look at the fact that what we see in the, with the Apostle Paul's life and how he chose joy. There's two things and two ways we can be blessings to others. We can be, um, bless others with the gospel. We can also bless others with encouragement. That's what we're going to look at this morning. How can we be a blessing to others through our pain, through the pain that you may be suffering even now? The Apostle Paul, in this particular period of his life, when he's writing this, he's in a Roman jail. He's remembering back upon his time in Philippi, which is a city in modern-day Greece. He had gone to Philippi, and as a result of of preaching the fact that God loves you and cares for you, guess what happened? They said, we don't like you. They beat, and his ministry partner Silas threw them in a jail, and at the midnight, they were singing praises to God. And as a result of that, the, the jailer came. He placed his trust upon Jesus Christ as his Savior. His family did also, and ultimately, there's now a church, or there was a church at this time, in Philippi as a direct result of Paul's suffering and pain. He's thinking back upon this. Now, true to form, Paul is back under arrest again. And now he's in Rome. He's under actually house arrest at this time. But he is not free. He's not free to go where he wants. He's been given a great deal of freedom to interact with others because he's in his own house. There's a soldier there guarding him 24 hours a day. But... He doesn't know what his trial is going to be. He doesn't know if he's going to be released. He doesn't know if he's going to be executed, if he's going to remain under arrest or thrown into prison for the rest of his life. He has no idea what the future holds. But what we do know is that he's thinking outside. He's thinking my present circumstances are actually being a blessing to others. And as a result of that, I'm really excited about what's happening now. Now, I don't think Paul and I don't think you are sadistic enough to say, oh, boy, give me some more pain. Give me some more sickness. But you know what? When we are in that time of difficulty and pain, I want to recognize early the fact that I can be a blessing to others and from that experience joy. I don't want it to be years later and go, I missed that opportunity. You know, another one gone, another one gone, another one gone. Paul's attitude was, to paraphrase, wow, I get to be part of God's big picture plan by my present circumstances. In Philippians chapter 1, verse number 18, he says, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. And his thought process was, what I'm doing now has eternal significance. And in verse 21 of that same passage, he says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He's not suicidal in there at all. He's saying, what I'm doing here is I'm happy and willing to do whatever it is to bring up Christ, to put Christ first in my life. And from that, he was experiencing joy. It was not based upon his circumstances. It was based upon who he was focused upon. And I want to get that in our minds today. For me personally, when I become overwhelmed, whether it's, it's physical pain or emotional pain, or you think to yourself, I can't do this, I, I can't, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, and you know what God says? He goes, I agree. You're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, but I can work in you and through you to accomplish my goals. This morning, we're going to be looking at 
verses 12 through 26 of this passage. If you Bible, I'd like you to see this for yourself. The beginning of verse number 12 begins with a single line, and he says that, I want you to know. There's a lot of things as a father that I want my children to know. I want you to know how to live. I want you to know my God. I want you to know that the circumstances we're in now will help you grow and develop. You know, trying to convince your children that math homework is actually for their good. You know, I want you to know that you may not understand the circumstance you're in now or why that you have to suffer by doing your timetables. But in the future, you're going to need this. And that's exactly where Paul is right now. He's writing to a real church in a real place called Philippi. And in a real way, he's writing to you and to me this morning, saying, I want you to know this. So what is it that he wants us to know? And he goes on in those verses and says, I want you to know, brothers, that is Christians. He calls us brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me. That little phrase, what has happened to me has a great deal, I mean, a little bit of research about the Apostle Paul's life, you realize that in one little sentence, what has happened to me, he skips over a great resume of pain. A resume of pain that I really do not want to emulate personally. It's not something I go, that's what we have to do to be close to Jesus. But your life where you are, you have an individual resume of pain that you can you look back and use in a similar way. I want you to know, based upon my experiences, what God's done in my life, and here's what I want you to know. The Apostle Paul, uh, looking through uh, his resume really briefly, he was illegally arrested in Jerusalem. As a result of that, he was a prisoner for two years in Jerusalem. He appealed to Caesar in Rome, and as a result of that, he was sent to Rome under God. On his way there, of course, they were shipwrecked because that's what Paul does. He never, never traveled with Paul. He always got shipwrecked. And he was shipwrecked. As a result of that, he was stuck on the island of Malta for three months and then eventually arrived in Rome and was waiting trial from Caesar himself. Now, the Bible doesn't record that trial, and history t doesn't give us really any clear indication what took place, but history does tell us that Paul never got out that he died in custody. Whether he was thrown to the lines or killed another way, he never got out of jail from this point. But going on to his resume, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 records his sufferings. And it's, it's nothing that I really want to emulate personally. Five times he was given 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned with rocks. He was shipwrecked not once, twice, but three times. And probably the fourth time he on the boat, he's like, this is the time I'm going to make it without crashing. Physically, he had ailments. He had what he described as a thorn in the flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what that was. Some people surmise it was a physical ailment with his eyes. But he describes it as something that was physically stopping him from doing what he wanted to do. And he says, three times I asked God. With all sincerity, I ask God, God, will you take away this pain from my life? Will you take away this ailment? And the response we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, it's on the screen for you to follow. It says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is the response to his prayer of healing. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And verse 10 goes on and says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Tell you what, for when I am weak, then I am strong. If you just made that statement without the fact that his purpose and his goal is Jesus Christ, he says, for the sake of Christ in the beginning of verse number 10. If it was just a matter of when I am weak, then I am strong, that sounds like a cat post you're going to stick on the wall and just, you know, just hang in there, everything will be okay. But here it's not based upon your feelings or hopes and desires or just crossing your fingers. It's based upon Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning, what's happened to you? What's happened to you in your life that you may have some things that you may describe as chains? And Paul here, he was bound. He was under arrest. He was bound in chains. And he wasn't going to allow his chains to define his joy. But you in your life, and in my life too, there are things that we may describe as chains that slow you down, that stop you from doing what it is that you want to do. And these chains in your life, I believe based upon the word of God, God can use them to bless others. And even though you may be in a very difficult circumstance, you may be in a time where you don't really are not happy where you are, but God can use that, those for ultimately for joy. We have two different things this morning. The first is where did the Apostle Paul find his joy? He found it in the advance of the gospel. Verse number 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12 says this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. My outline this morning is really simplistic because it's just right here. I just take it straight out of the scripture. The word advance was in the Bible. I thought, that's a good word. I'm going to use the word advance. The word advance there has the understanding of like a pioneer goes into unreached territories. No one's ever been here before. As I traveled around Western Australia, we have such a vast state. And you ever been somewhere and you thought to yourself, I am the only one who's ever been here before. And I've done that. I, I've, I've since learned that that's not always the case because pretty much every time I think that, I look down and there's a beer can. You think to yourself, I am the first one here. There's people here that pioneered this, this area of the Southwest. We have Lord Forrest. Who, who went through and they, they came through this area and they opened up areas for farming and people went through and cleared the land. And you realize before that, of course, you had the Aboriginal people that were here. And you look around and you think to yourself, I'm a pioneer. I'm the first one to open up this new land. But he says there, he says, what has happened to me has really served to pioneer and open up new areas of the gospel. The gospel is simply a word that means the good news of Jesus Christ the good news of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. So I want you to stop and consider for a moment what has happened to you in your life, maybe the difficulties and the chains, that you can look back and go, but actually that was to advance the gospel. That will open up an opportunity to share the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ with someone that may not have heard otherwise. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, it says, I am suffering bound with chains, the Apostle Paul says, as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. He says, physically, I'm bound. 
physically, I'm unable to have, I don't have freedom. But the word of God is going out. God's using my present circumstances, my difficulty, my pain, and my chains for his honor and his glory. He advanced the gospel through a couple different ways that he records in this passage. First one is the contact that he had with people that were lost. The contact with the lost. This is something that I find difficult. You see here in verse number 13, it says, So that it become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The Apostle Paul here is under house arrest. He, is, he does not have freedom. He does not have the ability to go out and in as he wishes. But everybody knows why he's in prison is for Christ. In verse number 18, again, it says, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. The book of Romans records Paul's desire to go to Rome and preach the gospel. And he wrote in, in the book of Romans, chapter number one, that he says, always in my prayer, asking somehow by God's will that I may at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you. So Paul says, and he really, in a positive way, he set himself up. Because he says there, by somehow, by God's will. He doesn't say, I want to really come to you by a really safe boat, and I want to be comfortable. He just says, somehow, by God's will, I want to get to, to visit Rome one day. He had no idea that he was going to be um, end up being a prisoner, being shipwrecked on the way, being in prison or under arrest for two years in Jerusalem before he was able to go there. He just wrote that, I really want to come see you one day. And God opened up the doors for him to go in a way that was far beyond and different than I'm sure any of us would have imagined. In a similar way with your pain, God may have an incredible plan for your family, for those around you. You may be able to reach the lost, someone that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior in a way far beyond your natural ability because God opens up a difficult situation for you. Acts 28, verse 16, it says, And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. The book of Acts records he was in imprisonment. And you know what's quite amazing there? Is he had a captive audience. He was the prisoner. But you know what happened was every six hours, a new Roman guard would come and stand there and watch him and guard him, make sure he wasn't escaping. But you know what's wonderful? And Paul says there in verse number 13 of that passage, the entire, entire imperial guard knew that he was in prison for Christ. You know what he did? He used as an opportunity, you think I'm the prisoner, you're stuck here watching me. It means you have to listen to me for the next six hours. And during that period of time, it records that he wrote letters to the churches, other passages of the Bible talk about the fact that, like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. He's the one here being an incredible witness to this God who has to stand there and watch him. And I believe as a result of that, there are people in heaven that you will meet one day in heaven who came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because I was guarding Paul. And he talked to me, and he shared the love of God with me, and he told me his story, and he told me that that is a God 
who is the one true God, the creator of the universe, who not just not, doesn't just know who I am, but who lo- knows me and loves me. And loves me not just from a distance, but he says, I want to have a relationship with you. And he goes on and begins to describe that. And in his writings, like, you know, this is my imagination, but you imagine him writing letters to the different churches of encouragement and looking up to one of the prison guys and say, you know what, I'm... You need this too. The same Jesus that these people in Corinth need, the people in Philippi need, you need this same Jesus. There are people in heaven today who know Jesus Christ as their Savior because Paul was in prison, because they had direct contact with him. And that made Paul rejoice. His circumstances? No, I don't want to be in, under arrest. No, I don't want to be you know, stuck here. But... Here I am, and I'm going to use this for an opportunity for joy. Can you think of areas in your life that are really difficult that you're not particularly thankful for, but you can be rejoicing in them because God has opened up opportunities to be in contact with the lost? A few a number of years ago, my father-in-law, who was a pastor, and that's my wife, Tammy's father, he's a pastor in the U.S., and he's since passed away, but he told a story about probably about four years ago now. He was in the airport, in a very busy airport in Dallas, Texas. He was waiting for his flight, had a, a little bit of time to spare, so he waited in line. I think it was at McDonald's, got himself some food. And right next to him, in the next aisle over, there was a soldier. And the soldier, along with his entire platoon, they were going off to the Middle East, and they were being deployed at that time. And next to him, this, the soldier was pulling out some, some money in order to buy a milkshake and for whatever reason didn't have enough money. So my father-in-law paid for his milkshake. Thought nothing of it. Thank you very much for your service to our country. Thank you for going off and fighting in war. It's a very honorable uh, and noble thing to, to do. He, so that's it. I, you know, I bought his milkshake, you know, $1.99. And he goes off. And he sits there in the, the food court area. And the food court was absolutely packed. And you know what? There was only two seats available. And as he sat there with his food, he looked up and the soldier was walking around looking for a place. And he says, why don't you come sit with me? And he began talking with this young man who was about to go off to war. And so he asked him the, the logical question, how is your spiritual condition? You know, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And the man said, no. You know, I, I, I'm afraid because I don't know. I'm going off to war and I don't know what's going to happen to me. And my father-in-law was quite the evangelist. He didn't miss the opportunity. He shared with this young man that, that there was a God that loved him and cared for them, that he, that he could have a home not just for now, but he, eternity in heaven with, with God himself. And he had the peace and the hope of his sins being forgiven. And that young man sitting in a busy Dallas-Fort Worth airport food court bowed his head and placed his trust upon Jesus Christ as his Savior. And that's absolutely incredible. They parted ways, they, they exchanged information, and they parted ways, they sent them off, and then he was waiting for his flight, and that young man came back, and, it's, and he grabbed my father-in-law, his name's Steve, and he said, Steve, will you come back and tell my entire platoon about this? And you know what's right? And he stood there on the corner in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, literally thousands of people walking and rushing towards the flight, and preached the gospel to these men, and I believe it was five or six of them came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior there. I honestly believe that he was in the airport for the right reason. It was just happened to be that this young man didn't have the right amount of change. I believe God orchestrated all these you know, unfortunate circumstances. You know, the, the place is busy. Every time I walk into an airport that's busy, how many times have you gone, 
yes, this is great. Every time I walk into a busy airport, I go, stand in line, stand in line. And I know exactly what my father-in-law would say here if he was sharing the story with you. Don't miss the opportunities that you have to share your faith. Don't miss the opportunities that sometimes in difficult circumstances to share the love of God with other people. So therefore, he advanced the gospel through the contact with the lost, but he also advanced the gospel through giving confidence to other people. His story encouraged other people. There are people in your life that have gone through very difficult times and then shone for Jesus Christ through that, that you look at and you think to yourself, because they went through that, I'm encouraged as a result. That's exactly what Paul found joy in. He found joy that other people can see what he's doing and find encouragement as a result. Verse number 14 says this, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That is the word of God, to share the word of God with others. The word speak there is not the same word as preach. These are not talking about preachers. These are talking about people in their daily, everyday lives, able to speak with other people because they've gained confidence by looking at somebody else. You ever thought that your difficult circumstance, the pain and the suffering, sometimes that you are ungrateful for, can be used to encourage somebody else? That's exactly what Paul found here. And as a result of that, he had joy. There's a lady who died over 100 years ago. She died in 1915. Her name was Fanny Crosby. And Fanny Crosby was a lady who wrote over 8,000 songs. She was blind from an infant. As an infant, somebody messed up a medical procedure and ended up blinding her. And as a result of that, she never had any conscious recollection of ever seeing anything in her life. And she wrote songs that are still sung commonly today. Songs like, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. She wrote, To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Redeemed, oh, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Praise Him, praise Him. Tell of His excellent greatness. I am Thine, O Lord. She wrote that song. I have heard thy voice and told thy love to me. Fanny Crosby, as a, as a woman, she experienced blindness through the 1800s. She died as almost a 90-year-old. And she experienced blindness in, in, a, in a period of, of time when things were not easy for her. And her attitude and her quote is on the screen. And it says, if I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will see will be the face of my blessed Savior. I don't think any of us would, would really say, yes, I want to be blind today. I want to lose my eyesight. But you can allow your difficulties. And really, the songs that she, she wrote, she didn't complain about the fact that I can't see, so I guess I'll have nothing else to do, so I might as well sing about you. It was, this is from the overflow of my heart. And her story and her difficulty brings encouragement and really builds courage with us and confidence with us. The second point we have this morning is 
Paul found his joy in the advance of the gospel, but the Apostle Paul also found joy in, in the courage in Christ. His focus was not self-centered. And this is where I think, I, I mean, maybe it's a man thing. I, don't know, I won't throw all men under it, but you know, when I suffer, I suffer hard. You know, when I get a cold, it's the worst cold I've ever experienced in my life and anyone's ever experienced in the history of mankind. We suffer hard. I don't want your sympathy, but I definitely want my wife's sympathy. Here we see his focus wasn't self-centered. It became outwardly focused, and that's where he discovered joy. His courage was not in himself and in his own resilience. He turned it right back to Jesus Christ. Verse number 20 says, As it is my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. I looked at that word honored. That word honored there actually is from the original Greek word megas. Can you get megas? It's the word mega from. Basically saying here, my eager expectation and hope is that Christ will be always made big in my body. He's the one that's being lifted up. He's the focus, not me. Jesus Christ is our ultimate example of that. He himself lived, as the Bible records, a perfect life. God was sent from heaven. He was born as a baby. He lived a perfect life. He grew. He gathered disciples around him, performed miracles. He proved that he was the Son of God. He ultimately came and it was suffering on a cross, ultimately to die and then, of course, rise again for your sin and for my sin. Jesus knew exactly why he was where he was. He knew why he was on the cross. And while on the cross, the book of Luke records an interaction with him and the two thieves that were on either side of him. One of the thieves was mocking him and making fun of him. And can you imagine, I'm on the cross, I'm dying. And the last thing I want to say is I'm going to mock the guy next to me, like as if it makes you look better. And the other man on the other side, it says in Luke chapter 23, verse 42, says, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This other thief is on the cross about to die because he was a thief. He was being crucified because he was suffering the consequences of his sinful actions. He looks at Jesus and says, will you remember me? I know Jesus is God, and Jesus responded absolutely beautifully and correctly here. But if this was me, like, this is my moment. Now, this is the culmination of all of history. From the beginning in the Garden of Eden, God said, I'm going to send somebody who's going to stomp the foot of Satan. That's Jesus Christ. If all the way through history, it's been pointing towards the fact that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And he's there. And if any other time, to me, for me, thinking to myself, this is the culmination of all of history of humanity is coming right now. This is the focal point of Jesus, my death on the cross. And this guy says, remember me. I'm kind of busy right now. You know, you think through. But he stopped. Jesus didn't say, I'm kind of busy right now saving the entire world from their sins. Can you give me a moment? He was preparing himself, not just physically. The Bible records the fact that his beard was torn out of his face, beaten with the cat of nine tails. 
It says his face was unrecognizable. They put a crown of thorns and they pushed it into his, his, into his skull. He was in incredible, excruciating pain, plus the fact that he had nails through his hands and his feet. He was physically dying. But more than that, even, he had the sins and every single one of your sins, past, present, and future, and the sins of the world on his shoulders. He was preparing himself to, for the very first time in all of eternity for God the Father to turn his back on him. him. He's going to be separated from God for the first time and last time for all eternity. And he still had time to look across at a man who was dying, who deserved to die. Let's read 42 and 43 together. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That right there is an incredible example of Jesus' love. He had your sin and my sin on his mind. The Bible teaches about, this is a bit of theology for you, substitutionary atonement. And substitutionary atonement has the understanding of he took your place. He paid the payment that you could never pay on your own. He had the, all that on his shoulders. He, I firmly believe that Jesus, and being God, had the ability to, to do this, was consciously aware of every single one of the sins that he was dying for. He wasn't just dying for mankind. You know, this long, he knew you as an individual. He knew the sins that you were committing. He felt the consequences of those sins. And he still said, I'm going to look across to this person who's a thief and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. He found, in a sense, joy in his suffering by bringing someone to himself, quite literally, at the last moment. You know, if you don't say it now, you're not really going to say it. You and I have an opportunity today to be used by God to accomplish some great things for him. What it is, I don't know. But God has a plan and purpose for your difficulties, for the chains that you may feel like you're bound with right now. You can allow God to use them to bless others, and through that you will experience joy. I'm going to close with two questions, then we're going to close in prayer. And these questions are just to, for you to mull around. They're not gotcha type questions. The questions are this. What pain are you experiencing today? I want you to recognize that. Recognize the pain and the circumstances that you, you're experiencing today. You are experiencing something today that is unique to you. The people you are interacting with and the, the circumstances there are unique to you. What pain are you experiencing today? And the final one is, will you choose to allow God to use your pain? Last week, I, I started and finished with the challenge to add, today I choose joy to your to-do list. So when you wake up in the morning, today I choose joy. And if you're anything like me, I don't, I used to, but I don't anymore wake up and go, I'm awake, and just jump out of bed. I, I do it a little slower now, and maybe some of you are even more slow. So as you're getting out of bed and you're creaking, maybe you can add this to your to-do list. Today I choose joy through the pain, so that I can be a blessing to others and ultimately I'll experience joy myself. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the example we find in your word of the Apostle Paul and also of Jesus Christ himself. Lord, I pray that this week as we go out that you will bring to our mind opportunities that cannot be wasted. Opportunities to interact and to, to meet with the lost, the people that are yet to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray that we won't miss those opportunities.
opportunities to encourage other people because of what you've done in our lives. And I pray that we'll use that as an encouragement, totally focused upon you. And also, Lord, I pray that we will find courage because of what we do has and will make an impact. We'll make an impact because we're doing it for you because of what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that we will live this out this week. This won't be just another week we go through the motions of life and of church. But Lord, I pray that the impact will be true, be real. You'll start in my life, allow my life to be an example to others. And I pray that will be our prayer for every single person here today, that we can impact our community for Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name, amen.